Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're talking about here on this show. Another ATP Challenger edition of the podcast hosted by our friends Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. On today's episode, they discuss back-to-back title runs from Surindolo and Bonzi. They discuss Agamemnon's rise through the ITF ranks results early here in the week on the Challenger Tour and so much more. It is another fantastic edition of the show. I know all of you are going to enjoy. A couple of quick things before we get to it. A, if you're looking for U.S. Open recap content, that is going to be on the mini break podcast feed. David Kane joined me to break down the women's singles event. Gil Gross going to be joining me tomorrow to break down the men's singles action. We were also live at the Knoxville Showdown this weekend. Got to see Kentucky, Columbia, Tennessee, and Pepperdine play. If you want to hear interviews from that event, hop on over to our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. All of that content can be found on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, shout out to you, listeners. Shout out to our Patreon family for helping to make all of that content possible. But with that in mind, let's get to it. Another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the show with host Damian Kust and Jakob Babra. Uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger podcast. We are going to talk about five events with my friend Jakob here. Who, how, are, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing We're doing a, a early morning record uh, per my request. I don't know why I requested this. It's a horrible idea. It's so early. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Who? Come again? Bonzi. Uh, Bonzi? You picked him again? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I, I, I had no idea. Actually, I, I absolutely forgot about that. So, so, so you're nine six up now? Oh shit! Yes, I'm absolutely murdering you in this game, which I was losing in for so many weeks. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm dominating. You, you, you can pretty close. You, you can buy it by now. Yes, and I mean, there was like it's a very bias. We had so many good picks this yeah. week. I, I, I never even realized that you had Bonzi as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's a shock to me. But, but let, let's get to the to the events then. Where do we start? Tulum, the, the biggest yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, let, let, let's let's start with Bonzi. He beat oh, uh, okay. Luka uh in in Kasi. Uh, yeah. It's not the biggest event, but but it's probably the 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 biggest like the best field, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, seven six six four fifth challenger title. All of them this year. Um, he's been an incredible challenger through player. He's up to number 76 now in the rankings. So presumably we won't be seeing as much of him next year, uh, unfortunately. But in, on this run, he beat uh, Thomas Fabiano, Alexis Galeno, uh, Luca Van Asch, and Katzber Zouk. Um, Yeah, what did you think of Benjamin Bozzi uh, this week? He's incredible. I mean, 44 yeah. wins already. Uh, he's he's he can truly get to the records, but I I am assuming he won't play as much. I mean, he's playing Ren uh, this this week, but I'm assuming that he'll stop playing challengers at some point soon because there's gonna be all these indoor events in France like Mets. He he was also signed up for uh, Nur Sultan, was it? Uh, so you know the records uh, for wins in a single season is 57. Uh, Carlos Berlock uh, holds that one, so you know it, maybe Ponzi can get to that. But then again, I don't know how many more challengers he plays, and f- maybe he can actually get to the title record because it's six, so he needs just one, and it's currently held by Younes Elainaoui, uh, Juan Ignacio Shela, and Facundo uh, Bagnis. But anyhow, another crazy week for him. I mean, he's just the best player. On the challenger tour the whole year, yeah. he it's actually funny because he said that he's 76 right now. Uh, after Linderna, he's 77. They faced in the first challenger final of the year in Istanbul, very mm-hmm. close final, definitely one of the best matches of the year. And the, the, pretty much, Bonzi has like 70% of his points from challengers, while Linderna made like four ATP quarterfinals. So the, <laughs> they they did it. Absolutely, in, in, uh, they had absolutely Absolute. different paths since Istanbul, but they're pretty much at the same ranking. So it's it's actually pretty funny that you can do you can do it both ways. Uh, last week I also talked about a lot about French juniors, and I guess Vanash was 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 hugely impressive. The the win over Chelik Bilek was something I I definitely didn't you know, expect. Uh, as I said last time, he there, there's no specific shot that that makes him so good he's just extremely solid and consistent like in terms of potential that usually tends to run out at some point but you know he, he was the only player to took it to, to take a set of bonzi this week so uh, for now he's definitely the the most impressive one so the juniors um Pechi Pericard uh, qualified and lost to Gokinakis, but his serve is absolutely massive. So he should also start rising pretty soon. Uh, well, and, and Arthur Fields was maybe the, the least impressive one, but he still played two very tight sets with Tatsuma Ito. And once again, his his set of weapons is, is very impressive. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was want to uh, ask you about uh, Clement Shidek, uh, who, who made the quarterfinals. He, he's, he's a little older, he's 20. Um, beat Kazo, beat Moria before losing to Pui in the quarters. Did, did you see any of him? Uh, I saw the match against Pui. Shidek, uh, or however it's read, he's playing college for the University of Washington. And he actually won uh, 25K in Ajaccio in the, in the summer. Over Petros Tsitsipas, by the way, which was Petros's first final, I think, especially at this level. And uh, he was looked very solid. The, the backhand was really good. I mean, obviously, he's probably going to go to the States right now. I think he's signed up for an, at another 25K. But uh, the, uh, a guy on Twitter also sent me uh, draws for, from some French events, and he was also very dominant in them. So definitely someone to 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 look forward to once he once he uh, graduates, and we should we should also talk about Luca Pui, I guess his first yeah. final in two and a half years, I think. Yes, I mean he's he's been having a horrible season. When you look at uh, his results this year, the only time he's ever had two wins in a row was to qualify for an event. Um, so I I had no trust in coming in. Um, obviously, his draw probably wasn't the hardest. He started against uh, Joao Souza, who has also been having a pretty ter- terrible year outside outside of his Mallorca run, where, where I think he made the quarters or something. Quarters, um, yes. Yeah, beat beat Emer, um, beat Shidech and Liam Brody. He didn't drop a set, uh, so so that was good to see uh, his his level sort of um, rise again after after such a difficult year for him. Yeah, and I guess that that would be all from from Cassis, or is there anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, Juk made the semis, oh, yes. which was nice to see. Um, we didn't have a lot of trust in him after after his first round loss. His loss to Kuzmanov, yeah. But, you know, I mean, like like the run be- be- beating Rodionov, Ito, and Kokinakis. That's that's a pretty good tournament for for Juk and. Uh, only, only losing to to Bonzi, I mean, you, you can't ask for much more from him. So uh, it's it's good to see him back in contention for these titles. Yeah, definitely. Finally, because uh, you know, the indoor season is coming, and he should definitely be a factor in there. So, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Where do you want to go now? Uh, let's go to let's go to Tulum, where we would probably start otherwise. How did I not want to have that Bonzi? Transition there. It was the biggest uh, tournament this week. Uh, Mats Morang uh, beat the eighth seed Hugo Gaston 6 2 6 1. Uh, it's his fourth challenger title. He gets to re enter the top 200 um, at number nine, uh, 193. He's moved up almost 50 points. Really? Uh, he's had a better reduction. Ah, four. four you're right. Yeah, then, right. I wrote, then I wrote it. Uh, yeah, then I, then I screwed up in an article. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he had a very interesting run where um, his first and last match were sort of very straightforward 6 2 6 1 in both. Uh, and then his matches against Kovalik, Monteiro, and Vesely have all been huge battles uh, that, that he sort of made his way through. Um, so yeah, what, what did you think of uh, Mats Morain this week? Yeah, I'm just changing that because fortunately it hasn't been published yet. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> a pretty stupid run. I mean, 46 minutes was the, sh- the shortest challenger final this season. Uh, I think the previous one was uh, Korda over Horansky in, in Kuiper, 50 minutes. 
it's actually just three minutes shy of the shortest challenger final ever. So, <laughs> I mean, Ryan is always one of these players that, you know, when they're on, they can beat anyone. Uh, the, a matchup like Gaston is, I guess, a very good one for him because everything depends on on what he plays. Gaston could can't really with Gaston. People always think of him as a as a defender, as a as a counter puncher, but I actually think he's definitely overrated in that regard. I think he's at his best when he has a lot of time and space to, to lead the play, but not in the way you know people usually do. That he has his own way of doing that. He can employ the drop shot. He can mix off-pace balls with suddenly going for a bigger forehead and he just can't do that against Morainko. Obviously, his attitude also wasn't great in the final. Like by the second set, he was totally checked out mentally. Thrown uh, like seven double faults, three of them consecutive or something like that. And, and, and definitely didn't look that great. In the last game, he played a few actually very good rallies from the ground. He was He was really going for his shots, but you know, it, it's easy to do that when you're 2-6, 1-5 down and without any any sort of chance to, to come back. Uh, Morayunka, I feel like, is, is very underrated at the moment. He's already won two, two this year and definitely playing far better than, he, than his ranking suggests. And uh, that was probably best evidenced with the Djokovic match uh, at Belgrade. Uh, yeah, I mean, very impressive run. Um, um, yeah, uh, other things that happened in Toulon, Yuji Vesely made the semifinals, which was kind of a surprise for me. He's he's not been doing great in these uh, clay challengers where, where he's been a high seed. He struggled a bit. Uh, he beat Neumeyer, Blancano, and my pick for the win, uh, Denis Novak, who I <laughs> picked mostly because he was Vesely's section, actually, before losing to... to Morang in three. So it, it, it's good to see him back after the, the car crash. Um, so good to see him do well. And we also had uh, Filip Misovic, who took out your pick for the, for the title, Marco Cecchinato. Um, and then also followed it up with a win over Jonas Foyt. Like he's 20 years old. Uh, he, he got a wild card into the event, number 460 now, uh, after after the, the move up from uh, the points from from this tournament. So, uh, did, did you get to see Misolic this week? Uh, some bits. Uh, I mean, what it, at first it looked like a very bad loss for Chikinato, but then when he followed it up with with the wins against Foretek and taking a set of Gaston, I mean, you know, clearly not being ready to transfer from hard courts to clay was not the only uh, reason that Chikinato lost that first round, but definitely not, you know, I didn't get to see him as much as I would have liked to to have a better grip of what he could do, but but he always, you know, was kind of there as one of the more talented young Austrians, so uh, you know, good to see him taking the, the opportunity. There was also a guy called Neil Oberleitner, who defeated Moleka, which is obviously not a, not a huge achievement at this point in time, but he he lost to Gaston in a in a very competitive first round as well. Uh, Camille Maischak also made the semis, and at at one point I definitely thought he was winning the tournament. But the the match against Gaston was was pretty disappointing on his part at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have anything else from from Poole? Uh, I don't. Yeah, let's let's go to let's go to Sevilla. 
um, where we had uh, Pedro Martinez beat Roberto Carvajal Baena 6-4-6-1 in the final third challenger title for for Martinez. He moves up 16 spots, number 59 now. Uh, In his run, he beat Emilio Navarro, Brancaccio, Flavio Caboli, and Carlos Taberner. What did you think of Martinez this week? Yeah, I I had Carvajal Baena as my pick, and he actually led the head-to-head like 3-0 against Martinez, mm-hmm. but all the matches, well, 2018 or 2017, and Martinez very recently smashed him in the Bundesliga, and he did so again here. Uh, I mean, there was just, in a matchup like this, there's just one weapon on the court, which is the Martinez forehead, and it, it just made a, a huge difference. Otherwise, Bueno doesn't really have, a, obviously, a way to react to, to an opponent playing very aggressively and playing very well. So it's just a, the story of his career, I guess. Uh, Martinez had a very tough run, I feel like. Caboli, Taverner, Carvajal Bueno, that's definitely uh, pretty big. Emilio Nava played a great match against him in the first round also. It was just one break in, in each set, and Nava was definitely at least playing very close to his level. Uh, Taverner is another interesting thing because in the semis, he was actually one match away from the top 100. Uh, I think he's like 101 right now or something like that. Uh, So so he's definitely very, very, very close to to getting in there. But Martinez is in the top 60 even at the moment, which is a, a very fair... Uh, you know, despite all the ranking freezes, I, I think it's a very, uh, it's a very fair number for him because he's not only been doing great on clay and challengers, but he also uh, had some great results on hard courts in, on the main tour. So definitely someone who deserves to be in the top sixty at the moment. He actually pulled out from from stretching next week, so mm-hmm. um, it, it's a it's a bigger event. So he definitely he he's definitely very satisfied with what he did in Seville because how was the experience of watching, by the way, for you the the yellow clay? Um, I mean, I I actually didn't hate it that much. I, I, I thought it was I thought, yeah. I, I didn't have the biggest issue with it. Um, yeah, we, we, we talked a, a lot about uh, the top five seeds being all Spanish and basically being the only contenders. Uh, the only guy who managed to break that up was Marcelo Tomas Barrios Vera um, by making it into the semifinals. Big, a big upset over, over Andujar, I felt, 6-4 in the third. Uh, definitely wasn't easy for him. Um, and, and, then, and then, yeah, I mean, to be fair, kind of an easy loss to Carbaez Baena there, one and three. <laughs> so it's not, not, not the best follow-up. Uh, but we also had a qualifier, uh, Luciano Daderi, 19-year-old from Italy, who qualified and then beat Jimeno Valero and Gallo to make the quarters before losing to Carbaez Baena. Yeah, that was a great match against Carbaez Baena. Uh, definitely Daderi is someone to... To pay attention to by the way uh coming back to taberner i just realized that you know he he was very close to the top 100 but this week he's he's gonna drop 90 points <laughs> so he's down to 117 in the uh in the live rankings so to get the top 100 now he would pretty much have to win strategy which actually is a, is a is a very interesting thing because it it, it, it looks like taberner might be you know it might have been his chance to get to the top 100, but right now it's going to be really tough 
like unless he does really well this week and he has a very tough first round, which we're going to talk about later, he's he might not be getting there in in the near future. Yeah, that's really really unfortunate for him. Um, do we have anything else from from Sevilla? Um, I don't think so. Uh, let me look at the notes. No, I didn't. Cool. Let's move on to, to Kiev, where we had a, a, honestly a pretty shock final um, result, at least for me. I was not expecting this, <laughs> to be entirely honest. Uh, Franco uh, Agamenone beating the f- top seed Sebastian Baez, whom we both picked uh, to win the title, 7-5-6-2. The second challenger title after uh, winning the 15 Prague. He's up 61 spots to number 230 which is absolute madness um, when you consider where he started this year, which was outside the top 650, was number 675 when he played the 15K qualifying in Cairo to start his 2021. Um, New, you know, Paolo Lorenzi retired uh, earlier this year. Has his energy transferred to a new uh, Italian player? Uh, who is now rising to become the, the new Lorenzi because this this guy is 28. This is coming essentially out of nowhere here. Uh, and we're, we're probably going to be seeing him on the challenger circuit quite, quite regularly with his ranking now. Um, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, he beat Stefan Kozlov, Tristan Lamassine, Oleksii Krutich, uh, and Timofey Skatov before that buys upset in the final. Uh, what did you think of uh, Franco Agamandone? Yeah, as you said, it's pretty crazy. He's gonna play slam qualities now. Like he, he's yeah, pretty much nothing. So so he's just he's gonna have to be in the Australian Open qualities draw, I think. So it's it's incredible for him, especially from a, from the money standpoint. I guess I mean the, the guy mm-hmm. barely earned anything for, for for the most of his life, even though he's playing singles yeah. and doubles like interchangeably. He's got 12 titles this year now, six in singles, six in doubles. I mean, for a guy who's barely been winning, been playing challengers even, like he, I think he had two main draw appearances on the challenger tour before this year. It's it's incredible. He's he, he's another one of these guys who just don't really do anything exceptionally well, but he's at the absolute peak of his abilities right now. And even if you know one could still underestimate him after well comparing his run to to, ba- to what Baez had, he had a much tougher draw. Like definitely Skatov, uh, Krutik, Lamazin, Kozlov, that, that's a lot tougher than what than what Baez had. And then we still didn't expect him to, to you know to do to, 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 to do this well in the final. And even if you could underestimate him after all the fir- first four wins than doing that against Baez. And it's great because he started his his journey on the ITF tour. He won 59 matches in six months. And it just shows that you can, even as a 28-year-old, you can get through that level, you can get through it very quickly, and then suddenly become a challenge to champion uh, twice. Obviously, the, the, the event in Prague was a 50. This was a regular challenge 80 event. So uh, incredible run. I, I'm not sure, you know, Italian, if to compare it with Lorenzi, um, he's pretty much Argentinian, but he started representing Italy. Yes, um, and, 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 and that's, that's where his journey started. So I feel like he, he got the, the mm-hmm. Lorenzi 
energy off of uh, his Italian citizenship that he, <laughs> he It's an interesting uh, idea. I mean, the, he was also suspended for doping until January 2020. <laughs> so yeah. it's actually not when he, it wasn't when he doped that he had these best results, but when he stopped. Which is... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just hoping that he's actually clean this time and we don't have to, like, amend all of the... Because it's a really amazing story for this guy to come out of nowhere at 28. Even even if he would be, like, he's not playing this well because of doping. Doping can't really, yeah. can't really have you do that. It's going to help you improve physically, but, but you know... He, yeah, it, it, he's, yeah. not, he's not out there looking roided up. Like he's, he he doesn't look like a, a bodybuilder. No, 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 he's definitely not. Just just a regular guy. And I, I guess you know he. I I think I read that he didn't like didn't appeal the the verdict and anything. Like it's it just seemed like he just you know took it on the chest and decided to uh, to to go clean. And suddenly everything started clicking. I mean, fantastic story, really. Crazy, yeah. I mean, I, I like, like, I would have bet my house on on Baez in the final, but with, with the run that he had, he, yeah. he didn't struggle at any point, and I'm glad that I didn't because I'd be out on the street doing this right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, like he, like Baez wasn't dropping any sets. He, he, he was, he was just having these like regular wins uh, against, you know, uh, Rybakov, Giannu, Kir, uh, Kirkin, and to just like come into the final and Agamemnon just, just beats him. It's pretty wild but yeah we, we mentioned Skatov uh he made the semis here which was uh pretty impressive beat Jay Clark in the first round uh Georgi Kravchenko Nuna Borges and uh well I, I didn't see that much but it looks great uh, six seven six four six four in that one so so it looks like Borges uh might be back to to playing good tennis again so that's exciting and then we also had uh Ergi Kirkin another uh young-ish guy because he's he's what 22 yeah who actually beat Stakowski in the second round. Um, so, so two pretty interesting guys in the in the semis as well. Uh, anything else from, from Kyo? Yeah, Kirkin won three ITFs in a row before before that week. Oh. Uh, actually, when you look at the opponents, he beat there, it wasn't anything super impressive. Like one example that always comes to my mind is uh, the Romanian guy, Nicolas David Yonel, uh, who won four ITFs, like two... Four, four, five, four, fifteen case in a row. I think two years ago, and basically there were no impressive wins in there. And he, you know, where is he right now? Like I haven't seen him in in I don't know how long. And uh, but actually, Kirin was was pretty good. Uh, it, it's it's actually great that Stakowski also got a chance to to play in front of his home crowd because I guess he wasn't really. You know, during his career, he didn't really have a chance to do that, and he now gets got one in in the last year on on the professional circuit. Uh, there was also Alexi Krutik who made the semis at Nur Sultan last month, or is it two months already? I think it's like two months already. And he, it turns out he's actually a very good talent. I think he, we we might get to see him a lot more on the Challenger Tour. Um, won a great match against Orlando Luz. Uh, I didn't see the quarters against Agamemnon. I mean, there's there's really no shame in losing to Agamemnon right now. Uh, he, Krutik has got a very solid game from both wings. He he can definitely hit with good power and depth. And I, I I am hoping to see him a lot more because I really liked watching him this week. Yeah, 
taking it back to Stakowski for a bit, I, I wonder if he's going to make Bratislava his last tournament because he, he's he's lived there for at least 10 years at this point. Like, like I remember he, he's lived there all the way back in 2012. Um, so so I wonder if if like he's going to make that sort of his other home tournament uh, in a way his last because it, it is pretty pretty much towards the end there. Um, but yeah, should we go to Banya Luka to close out this week's uh, challengers that we had? Yep. Yeah, Banya Luka, Juan Manuel Serundolo um, beat Nikola Milojevic, 6 3, 6 1. Uh, third challenger title, back to back titles. Uh, and he's up 27 spots to number 108. Uh, so very close to overtaking his brother, who's at number 104, I believe, and very close to breaking the top 100 overall. Um, it was a, a, quite an impressive run, a very odd start, uh, losing the first to Malik Jaziri 6-1. <laughs> um, but, but, but from then on, he didn't drop a set. Uh, he, he, he ended up beating Jaziri 1-6, 6-3, 6 Got a walk for, walkover from uh, Petrotic in the second round, but then beat Tseng 6-2-6-0, Echeveri 6-3, 6-3, and Milojevic 6-3, 6-1. So absolutely just steamrolled as much as Serundolo with his style can, can steamroll a field. Uh, what did you think of him this week? Yeah, steamroll is exactly the, the word I used in my in my tweet yesterday, and I was also thinking, like, I mean, okay, he won very easy, but can yeah, he was really Serundolo steamroll? I mean... It, 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 it's, it's kind of like like back in the day when Wozniacki was number one, and mm -hmm. she would like, win a title. was like, well, she doesn't really steamroll anybody, though. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I can say that, I don't know, Roger Federer steamrolled, but I, I don't know, when Manuel Serundolo, like Mats Morain steamrolled uh, Hugo Gaston, but Serundolo, but Nikau, very impressive. Actually, actually the set to Jaziri was the only one uh, he lost all week, uh, all uh, in the in the in both two weeks. Sorry, uh, so in, in both in Banyaluka and Como. So that that's even more impressive, especially as before that, when he was trying to go for back to back titles, he would lose in the first round like five times out of six. So finally, he managed to get over that first hurdle, and you know maybe the the walkover against Pekotic really helped him. We both had Thomas Martin Echeverry as our pick for uh, for this event. He lost in the in the semis to Zerundolo, 3-6, 3-6. It was it wasn't as competitive as I, as I thought it would be. Uh, I I don't know if Echeverry Echeverry just doesn't seem that you know in that Italy form yet. But I'm, I don't know he, he's probably gonna get there. Uh, he he went to New York to play U.S. Open qualities, so he had you know, little little bit of weird. Uh, you know, sch scheduling there recently. Well, Serundolo decided to stay in Europe, and he made a great decision. Right now, he's gonna take like two or three weeks of break and come back to South America, two 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 weeks, I think, and then come back to South America. And he's definitely getting to the top one hundred there. Like if if he plays a couple more challengers there, and he's gonna have to play challengers because that's the the only events that are, that are left there, then he's definitely. Probably gonna overcome Francisco as well, which is something I wouldn't really have expected at the beginning of the year when when Santolo was yet to win a, an ATP match when he was, you know, he had like a challenger semi only from from Montevideo in 2019. So him overtaking his brother with the very limited set of weapons that he has is 
is pretty shocking. But as we as we talked about last time, I mean, he's just a guy who keeps winning, even though he probably maybe not shouldn't be. But but it's really it's it's really hard to determine how how he's as effective as he is. Yes, uh, we also had Andre Martin make the semifinals, which shouldn't be news for a top seed, but um, I thought it was worth a mention since he's been struggling a, a lot recently. Um, obviously, it's not the most impressive run. He, he got a walkover in the in the first round from Guinard and then beat uh, Jonathan Merita and Carlos Gomez Herrera. So it's not like he's, you know, he's back. Andre Martin, he's back to contending. But it, it, was, it was just nice to see him in the, in the latter stages of the tournament. And we also had 17-year-old Marco Topo um, make the quarters here with, with after two very, very tight matches, uh, with, wins over Daniel Petrovic and Vitali Sachko before losing to Echeverri. Um, he's actually turned 18. Oh, it's, it's his birthday today. So, okay, I was confused. Happy birthday, Marco Topo. Happy birthday, Marco Topo. He gave himself a, a lovely early gift last week in, in Bania Luka. Um, the, the, the tournament takes him into the, uh, top 1000. He's actually number 879 now. Uh, so he went up 700 spots with, with, with those 18 points from that tournament. Um, yeah. Any, anything else from Banyaluka? Yeah. The top was match against Echeverry was also super competitive, uh, which was kind of a surprise to me, but even though we talked about Topo a bit earlier in the season when he played doubles with Medvedevich and played in these Belgrade challengers. Yeah, a huge talent as well. Uh, yeah, from, as you, uh, you talked about Martin, I think this was like the, the easiest path to a challenger semi all year. Meritha Gomez Herrera, really. And the match against Guinard is actually pretty funny because, you know, it was 0-0 when Guinard retired. Like, he, he retired after the first point. <laughs> oh, oh, I actually didn't know that. I, I, uh, I didn't it was a walkover. I watched it. Maybe it's not funny, actually, because he uh, he released some sort of a stroke and then, like, caught his back. Uh, it seemed like, yeah, it, it didn't look good. I don't know if Guinard is gonna is gonna play soon. How serious it is, but but anyhow, it wasn't a walkover. The match actually finished after one point, yeah. And I guess before we go to match and upset of the week, I uh, we could also mention that. Uh, well, last week I talked about a match between Stefan Kozlov and Daniel Rincon in Mallorca. How the quality was awful, and Daniel Rincon uh, won the U.S. Open juniors. Yeah. Uh, I, I I still stand by my by stand by my opinion. Like he's just a Spaniard. Like he's super consistent, loopy strokes, which works in juniors. But uh, I'm not sure if it's getting him far, honestly. So, 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 so projection wise, we're we're looking more at like Ramos Vinolas than Nadal when we're looking at <laughs> maybe. But you know, Ramos Vinolas still has had a fantastic career. It, yeah, that's true. It yeah. takes a lot to, to be Ramos Avinola, so I don't know. But yeah. then again, I mean, I only saw the guy twice against Kozlov and in the finals against uh, Yuncek Shangshan. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, match of the week, upset of the week. That's what you're supposed to. Uh, so what's your match of the week? Uh, match of the week, I have Tanasi Kokinakis against Roman Sakulin, uh in in Kasi second round, seven six three six six two. Uh, it, it, was, it was quite good level, very exciting first set tiebreaker, uh, twelve ten. 
So uh, that's what I've gone for. Yeah, I went with uh, Alexi Krutik Orlando Roots. Uh, I guess a very weird pick, but but that was simply what uh, what I enjoyed the, the most this week. Very high level. Luz is you know recently made the Challenger final, and for Krutik to beat him like that, well, he pretty much only had one weaker game, which cost him the second set. But a fantastic performance from the Ukrainian youngster. Uh, yeah, and as for upset of the week, I feel like even though there were five events, there wasn't that much craziness this week. Yeah, so I I, I went with Misolic Chakinato. I guess it's only fair that you know he he eliminated my uh, my pick for the title and someone who usually does extremely well in clay challengers. Yes, I mean, uh, Mr. Chikinato is, is one of the two that I considered. The other one, uh, we already talked about it, uh, Franco Agamemnon over Sebastian Baez. Um, as I said, I would have bet my house and I would have lost it. So definitely upset of the week for me. Yeah, I would have bet my house as well, probably in every single Baez match this week. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I would have four houses. No, that's probably not how it would work. I would have one house and a maybe, maybe slight bit or one point eight houses or something because I, I yeah, your favorite. And, yeah, you know. he was a big favorite and everything. So one point eight houses and then I would have just zero point eight houses after after the final. Uh, yeah, so I guess we should start talking about next make next week events in Szczecin where I'm currently yes. at. Uh, so obviously you know you're ready for this. I'm gonna talk about the qualies. Uh, for like 20 minutes now, no, probably not. But uh, uh, next week you, you can probably, if I if I'm going to, you know, be able to come out of my comfort zone again, then I'm probably going to have some interviews to to add to the to the podcast as well, because I'm staying here for the for the entire week. Uh, anyhow, the, I I just realized that seven seeded players wanted the qualies tomorrow. Actually, the draws, the, the lots of qualifying draws this week on the Challenger Tour weren't even full, and so, so two more two more polls than than expected got in as alternates, Javiecki and Matuszewski, who usually only play doubles, so they 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 ended up losing fairly comfortably. Max Kasznikowski, the probably the most talented Polish junior, played Vitali Sachko, and I was pretty surprised to see him take a set. Because, well, first of all, he was still in New York on Thursday. So it was a very short turnaround between the US Open juniors and this for him. And uh, yeah, Sachko is probably the, the most dangerous player in the qualifying draw. So, so it definitely wasn't uh, the easiest opponent he could face. But the, the match had a very similar path to Kashnikovsky's loss to Samir Banerjee in US Open juniors. Like a very tight first set, but then energy levels just went down. I actually heard him talking a bit about that. That you know, he he his preparation for the this part of the season wasn't ideal. And right now, when he's playing tournament after tournament, there's just no space to fix that, and that 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 fitness remains a, a bit of an issue for him simply because he needs to play week by week. So you know, something a, a bit of a break would would do him good. I'm actually not sure what's what's his plans next. Uh, I was really hoping for Shimon Kelan to, to get a win. Uh, we talked about him a lot in, when he made the second round at Warsaw. So that's how he, he got the chance to play here again. And he had a very off day against Alex Rybakov. 
um, he's very confident after the match. He kept talking that uh, you know he, he everything was on his racket. The, when he was playing well, the opponents really didn't have much to say. But it, it's actually true in in, in this particular case. Uh, Kelan was the the player whose level really decided the match when he was able to stay more consistent in the second set he dominated and then missed some very important breakback break opportunities in the third that didn't allow him to, to stay in the match. I was hoping for this win and I was also hoping for, hoping, hoping for Maciej Rajski to, to beat Rudolf Moleker and he did. As, as I mentioned when we talked about Tulln beating Moleker right now is not really a huge surprise anywhere but I mean Rajski is 30. He's not a guy that usually gets these wild cards. He he said he was very surprised that he got one, but he uh, won a 15k in Wuch this summer, uh, completely out of nowhere. It's actually just his second ITF title. Uh, the the previous one was like four years ago. He's basically playing part time right now on the pro tour, only playing in Polish events in the past two years. And it turns out that on Saturday, he was still in Germany playing some league tennis, like not Bundesliga, but the third level, uh, yeah, yeah. Regional Liga Nordest, I believe. And it's actually pretty crazy that when you look at the, like on, in the match that he played, uh, the only name I recognized was his, but there was also there were also two other guys that, that are pros. But in the third league of uh, German tennis, this year, uh, there were there were names like Sachko, Ulajimir Ignatik, Elias Immer. So it's actually pretty crazy that wow. these guys still. Uh, I mean, the, the the money has to be has to be quite decent because obviously Raisky Raisky would uh, wouldn't really be playing anywhere else. So it's, it makes sense for him. But I mean, Elias Immer, uh, that, that that's a name that can that can play pretty much in every single challenger in the world. But anyhow, Raisky beat Moleker, who's really out of form right now. Rajski said after the match that he didn't even play that well. I don't know if I agree with that. I think he's kind of selling himself short there, but he's, he, he said that he was pretty much doing anything anything to disrupt Moleker's rhythm with slicing, with just you know, changing uh, with, with his variety. And Moleker didn't react well to that. He just, just said that he played the way Moleker doesn't like playing and that that was exactly the right choice I and mean, he stuck with the game plan and and it worked uh, they actually met three years ago at Szczecin in the first round of the challenger Rajski um, had a wild card back then and Moleker went fairly comfortably but you know we know that Moleker three years ago is a very different player to what we're seeing right now Moleker's attitude also wasn't great and uh yeah and tomorrow will be for uh, tomorrow today actually because we're recording in the morning will be the the final qualifying round and a lot of the first round matches which we're going to talk about in a moment but uh, Rajski plays Vatutin which is winnable uh, Vatutin didn't look good yesterday he struggled against Andre Goranson who's hasn't played singles in two years over two years I think so maybe there is uh, actually a chance to you know, for Rajski to qualify. There were a lot of doubles specialists because of the, the not full draw. And what I really enjoy about it is that they really try hard. Like they, they might not have played singles in a while, but when they step onto the court, you know, it, they're fighting to their deaths. <laughs> Guys like Gordanson, Nathaniel Lamons, uh, even even Zvetsky, although his attitude also wasn't wasn't that great. He started hitting some trick shots in the second set and all. 
but they they were all really motivated and frustrated when it wasn't going well even though you know Lamos couldn't really expect to defeat Nikola Kun on clay right but he still hoped so I mean it's 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 great to see how competitive these guys are yeah I mean I'm I'm a little disappointed by the lack of uh, of a Jan Zielinski wildcard or appearance in this qualifying considering that he's 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 been pretty good I mean he reached a second round um, so I, I would have hoped him. I would have hoped to see him over over Drzebiecki or or Lamont was an alternate, yeah. right? Yeah, so, I mean, like, I I assume all of them were, but 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 he's also in the tournament. So so I'm not sure if, if it was just his personal choice to. I'm assuming you know. so because if he would have signed up for the qualies, then he would have gotten in. He his singles mm-hmm. ranking is a lot better than Drzebiecki's or Matuszewski's. Yeah. So yeah. That, that then just printed in in Zielinski himself as opposed to the organizers and um, <laughs> he, he should have given it a shot I think because he he would have had a pretty good chance. Yeah, you're right. I, I completely forgot about the fact that he's playing singles right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, lo- lo- looking at the main draw, as as, as we mentioned, Martinez pulled out. But this is incredibly stacked, especially when you look at the the bottom half where we only have one qualifier. Especially the, the the fourth quarter. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's that's going to be brutal. But let's start with the top. Uh, we have uh, Albert Ramos Vignola as uh, as the top seed, opening his qualifier lucky loser. Um, uh, in his section is Chago Montero. The other uh, uh, three guys that we know is going to be three qualifiers or the lucky loser uh, are Petrovic, Trungeliti, and Diaz. So I mean, not not the worst. Um, section for for Ramos Vignolas, who um, looking at his recent results, he's he's been sort of kind of average, well, like, like sort of what you expect from him on on hard courts. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty curious to see him. Obviously, one one Estoril uh, earlier this year, so he should definitely be amongst the favorites for for Szczecin. Um, in the next section was supposed to be the, the Martinez section. Now it's uh, Lehechka plays qualifier lucky loser. We have Daniel Michalski with the wildcard playing Tyson Kwiatkowski, which is interesting of him to, to come play this tournament, uh, sort of unexpected. Um, we have Echeveri playing as G. Clark, and we have the all Czech first round RB between fifth seed Yuri Vesely and Zdenek Kolaj. Going into the bottom, half uh we have the Cecchinato section uh although he's playing Denis Novak in the first round so that's quite tough for him we have Hugo Gaston uh finalist this uh uh this week uh against Hanfman we have a wild card for Pavel Ciac am I saying that right I don't think so um <laughs> ah, all right yeah it's pretty, pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. um and then eighth seed Stefano Travaglia is Sumit Nagal. And then this last section, my God. Second seed Pablo Andujar playing Carlos Taberner. Yeah, that's the first time, first round that you mentioned. Very tough for him. Then in the second round, potentially Holger Rune, uh, who's playing Tara Daniel. We have seventh seed Roberto Carbaez Baena, who's coming off of final, uh, playing qualifier. Potentially in the second round for him, Kamel Michaljak. This is a crazy section. <laughs> like, 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 I, I look at this, this can be a quarterfinal uh, and, and I wouldn't blink an eye. It, it would make kind of a like, like, sense for it to be a quarterfinal. Um, yeah, a, a amazing drawing Chechen, uh, who who has uh, gra- like, caught your eye the most here. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect moment for the Challenger Tour because there's no Davis Cup anymore. Like, only some countries play Davis Cup this week and there's no main tour event. So, you know, eight, uh, it was actually supposed to be eight, the top 100 players in Szczecin, but Martinez pulled out. So it's seven right now but and 13 on the on the hall on the Challenger Tour. Uh, Taberne Randuhar is a fantastic first round matchup, which is actually going to be uh, the match of the day today which means that it's going to be played not before 7 p.m i actually have never seen Kamil Mikeshak win a tennis match live every time i go to an event he loses first round uh, i mean I, I, if, if he's ever going to do it Pellegrino has been quite this horrible. is a very good chance yes definitely but he the, i already watched him lose to pedro cacci indefinitely uh jeremy Yan and um Zdenek Kolar. so yeah it, it never really was that hard so oh <laughs> I don't know. maybe maybe i'm just he's unlucky uh he's not gonna play uh, yeah he i don't think he's gonna play on monday yeah he's playing on tuesday so not today uh as you said tyson fedkowski playing uh playing uh, a clay 125 when there's a carry challenger in the in the states it's, it's very weird but i feel like michalski actually has a chance against him um, uh, maybe I should also I should say why the, uh, the guys got the wild cards. Michalski, uh, well, there's a, there's this tradition in Szczecin that the Polish national champion gets a wild card, and actually this year it was Kamil Majczak, so he didn't require one. Żuk was the runner-up. He also wouldn't have required one had he had he wanted to play this event. And uh, the, the the third in the semis there were Michalski and Kaśnikowski. So Michalski got the wild card as you know in, as a result of that, and Kashnikovsky got the qualies one, which I think is a very good choice because you know, Kashnikovsky is at a point in time where he just needs matches against good pros, and you know it doesn't really matter whether it's qualies or main draw. And for Michalski, you know he he needs points. He he doesn't need uh, he doesn't need to play more more against experienced opponents. He's already done that. And Pavel Cech got the wild card as the best player of the Pezette National Polish Tour, which is a series of events. It's actually Szczecin Challenger, Poznań Challenger, and be be between the two, there were five ITFs, uh, 325Ks in uh, Wrocław, Poznań, and uh, Grodzisk Mazowiecki, and 215Ks in Łódź, and uh, Łódź was the one that Maciej Rajski won, and in Gdynia. And Czasz played four of them and made the quarters in each, lost in the final at Poznan to Ronan Puruchaga. So that's how he got the wildcard. He's also not the youngest guy. Uh, I think he's 27 at the moment, maybe 26. Uh, but I'm very happy he got it because he's probably my favorite Paul to watch. Uh, 27. Uh, he's 27. And he definitely deserved that because he's he out of the guys that competed in ITFs recently, he's probably playing at the, the highest level at the moment. Kopriva is not the toughest draw, but also not the easiest. So uh, I don't know. He's obviously a massive underdog there, but he's been not. not he hasn't been a stranger to big upsets in Szczecin. Uh, two years ago, he reached the third round, beating who was it? Peter Torepko, I think, and then Alessandro Gianessi. So uh, maybe he can do something. Uh, this match is going to be today, and I'm super excited for it. Uh, and as for my winner pick, uh, as you said, the bottom half is very stacked, so it was very natural for me to go with Ramos Vinolas. But one more thing I, I need to say about this is that there is that 
Spanish curse that, that gets talked about in Szczecin because this is the 28th edition of the tournament and a Spaniard has never won that. And obviously there, there are years when a lot of Spaniards come. With Martinez, they would have had an even better chance, but this is a perfect year for them. They've got Antujer, Taberner, Carbaez Baena, Ramos Vinoas. I mean, all these guys could easily win this. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is when they finally, when they finally he take that that down. Ramos Vinolas was actually the top seed and the top fifty player as well two years ago, but lost in the semis to um, Guido Andreotti. So he already had a pretty good chance. And when I'm looking at the at the results of the tournament uh, right now, like you know, past history, then the there were nine Spanish finalists and they all lost. Davidovich Fokina, Pereriba, Ingo Cervantes, and way back Albert Montanes, Alberto Martin, David. Okay, so unfortunately we had a bit of an issue here. Uh, I really should get a new computer. <laughs> and the reasoning being that for the second time it actually Zoom stopped responding and the recording cut off. But here we had a lot more minutes to go for the for, for all five events. But I we actually can't record it later because I'm gonna and I have to leave to the Stettin Challenger in a in a second to the courts. Um so I'm gonna have to take you through it uh, by myself and pretty quickly too. I'm gonna give Jakub speaks as well and tell you the reasoning for them if I remember. So where I where we stopped was uh, Stettin and I picked Ramos Vinolas and uh Jakub uh, went for Echeverry, so he's thinking that the Spanish curse will, will stay. Basically, his reasoning was that the draw is very nice pretty much until the semis. If he's on his best level, he shouldn't really struggle that much. Uh, yeah, then we go to Rennes, and there's a plethora of amazing seats here, like Richard Gasquet, Benjamin Bonzi, Arthur Rindernech. Very stacked field as well. It's such under 90. And we've got Andy Murray as a wild card, which is always a big story. He's going to play Yannick Madden in the opening round, then Raman Safir in the qualifier, so definitely winnable. Uh, Harold Mayo got a wild card, the Australian Open 2020 men's uh, boys singles champion. And he's going to play Mats Moraink, who, which is obviously a very tough draw, but Moraink is going to have to jump from clay to indoor hard very quickly. We've also got a very interesting first-round matchup between Barrera and Van Rijtoven. And Bonzi plays third week in a row and gets Immer, then possibly Juk, which is a very hard draw when you're probably not feeling that well physically. I went with Artur Rindernech. I was always saying that, you know, indoors he's going to really hit it off, that indoors is going to be his part of the season. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick this so that my prophecy can be fulfilled. We'll see if it will. Uh, as for... Um, uh, Jakub, he went with Andy Murray, which is, you know, he admitted that it was more of a wishful thinking pick, but then again, why not? I mean, Murray's level is is pretty good at the moment when, when, after what we saw at the US Open. Uh, we also considered Gasquet, definitely. Uh, he Whenever he shows up on the Challenger Tour, he's always, you know, reminds us that he's of very of very high quality. Uh, in Kerry, uh, American hardcores, we've got so many interesting first rounds, like Sandgren Eubanks. You know, Sandgren, it's been a terrible year for him, and Eubanks won a challenger. Uh, Eubanks played very well at the US Open. I mean, the, this the, this could be a first round exit for Sandgren. 
We've also got Salvatore Caruso, Christian Harrison, a very interesting choice from Salvatore Caruso to play on American hardcourts. Uh, Stefan Kozlov, Zachary Sfaida. Sfaida won, won, the, won, round, won a round at the US Open, so he could also get on a bit of a run here. He's the current USTA Boys 18s champion. Actually, did it twice already. Uh, Mitchell Kruger could be a very dangerous contender as well. There's a couple of college wildcards like Lukas Tai or Gareth Jones. Uh, and there's the second seed, Dennis Kudla, who's going to play Donald Young. And Young actually needs the head-to-head 7-1, which is pretty crazy. But Kudla, as the second seed, is my pick for the title. Uh, Young is obviously a non-factor recently, and I'd really like Kudla's draw to get farther. I was also considering Mitchell Kruger. Uh, Jakub said he was also uh, you know, thinking of Kudla. We talked briefly on Sfaida as well. But he went with Bien Fratangelo, who's the eighth seed and has a pretty tough quarters against Sandgren Eubanks, but starts against the qualifier and then Ulysses Blanc or qualifier. Yeah, once again, sorry, I, we have to do it this way, but uh, I unfortunately don't have time to, to record again with Jakub this, this Monday. And uh, well, I really should get that computer sorted out soon. Uh, in Istanbul, the top seed is James Duckworth. It's not a not a big event in terms of in terms of money, but in terms of the field, a lot of good players arrived. Andrei Kuznetsov, Evgeny Donskoy is a fantastic first round, and it's really intri- intriguing because Kuznetsov used to coach Donskoy back in uh, 2019 when he was inactive for two and a half years. So I can't really think of any other former coach, former protege meta matchups. It, it's it's really exciting. Thomas Fabiano plays Ilya Marchenko in the in the opening round. Marchenko hasn't played since uh, the Challenger Tour since May, so it's going to be very exciting to see how he does. He was actually very competitive in, in Atlanta and Washington and all the other American hardcore events. Uh, then we also got a very weird wild card for Vlad Victor Cornea, who also uh, isn't even playing doubles here. So it's pretty shocking. And Radu Albot is the second seed, and he actually hasn't played on the Challenger Tour since March 2020 at Indian Wells. So um, you know, he's coming back after a while, and we'll see if he still has the quality. Uh, I went with Ilya Marchenko, based on the fact that, well, he has a very tough draw, but I thought his summer form was great, and so did Jakub. He also went with Ilya Marchenko. And the last event is Quito. Uh, with a terrible field, honestly. Like, this is the worst field we've had on the Charger Tour this year, I feel. Patrick Kipson is the last direct acceptance, and he like 570 or something like that. Yeah, uh, and as for the seeds, we've got Albert uh, uh, Andre Martin here, who's coming off a semi-final at Banja Luka. He obviously loves South American clay, and, well, he's Slovakian, so, you know, Jakub usually picks him. And he did go for him again, but this week is it, it's a solid it's a solid idea because Martin yeah he he would usually skip European events to go to South America and do well even though his year has been terrible. But as we mentioned, the draw isn't that tough. His fifth seed is uh, Juan Pablo. His seed in the other seed in his section is Juan Pablo Fikovic, who hasn't been doing that well. Lucas Catalina could be dangerous. Eduardo Estevelo Bato could be dangerous. Uh, the best section by far is the one with Villa Martinez and Tirante as the seeds at Gonzalo Lama. Gonzalo Lama has been uh, coming back after a long break as well, 
and won already won four tournaments this year. He's got like a 42-14 win-loss record and advanced 300 spots in the rankings already, over 300 actually. And even though Lama and Villa Martinez are very dangerous, I went with Tirante, who's in my opinion the most talented player in this draw. And his peak level is probably higher than anyone else. Can he reach that? Well, we shall see. But uh, I think he, he could have a chance to get on a bit of a run here. Uh, there were, the qualities draw wasn't even full. There's just eight people and you only need one match to, to qualify, which is funny because, you know, uh, pretty much any, any tennis player could have gone to Quito and signed up as an alternate. Even the doubles guys didn't want to. And yeah, one one thing that I that I that I missed uh, in Istanbul, Alexander Bublik is playing doubles, but not singles. He's actually playing with Daniel Golubev. At first, you know, I thought it was Andrei Golubev, but it's Daniel Golubev, the 19 year old Russian. And it looks like they played a futures event uh, together five years ago. So they, they they must have been you know they must have known each other for a while and probably are. You know, somewhat close friends because I, I can't imagine any other reason for Golubev to play Istanbul Challenger uh, in doubles. Uh, yeah, and that's where we're gonna, uh, you know, cap it. I have to leave to the Szczecin grounds in in, in a moment. Uh, sorry, you once again for for the for doing that this way, but we can't really. Yeah, it's my fault honestly for not. Not buying uh, an, uh, a new computer, and hopefully I'm gonna, well, hopefully I'm gonna be forced to soon, and and hopefully we're not gonna be able to uh, have less uh, issues like this. Uh, so thanks for listening. If you got to this point, and we're gonna meet next week uh, to discuss Szczecin, Ren, Kari, Istanbul, and Quito. Uh, thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric edition of the show. A shout-out and thank you, as always, to Damien and Jakob for their coverage of the Challenger Tour. I sincerely mean it each week when I say you are not going to find two people more ensconced in all things happening at the Challenger level. Of course, there are five of them this week, and I'm sure we will discuss them on the Mini Break podcast. Of course, if you are looking for U.S. Open recap content, it can be found there. Had David Kane join me to talk about the women's singles event on Monday. Gil Gross joining me Tuesday to talk about the men. Of course, all of that content available on our website, CrackRackets.com as well. But of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, our Cracked Interviews Podcast, and everything we're doing here at Cracked Rackets. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, for host Damien Kust and Jakob Babra, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>